0: Everybody, and welcome to another episode of Criminal Discourse. I'm Maddie. And I'm Trish. And we're bringing you a brand new episode today. And love it. It's my episode. And it's not from the 18th century, which is shocking. <laughs>
1: 2016
0: so, people. It's amazing. Isn't it? It and is. Look, can you hear all the pages of my notes, guys,
1: which is also equally shocking. But hey, this is awesome. This is yeah. awesome. I'm looking forward to this.
0: It's going to be great, guys. So before we get started, just as a reminder, if you ever want to reach out to us to tell us how excited you are about us doing an episode from 2016, or you have case suggestions or any other comments, you can reach us in multiple ways. We have a Facebook Criminal Discourse podcast. We have a YouTube channel. We have Instagram, Criminal Disc Pod, and also on our website, criminaldiscoursepodcast.com, where we have a comment section that you can reach out to us us directly as well as all of our show notes. Yeah. If
1: you just want to introduce yourself and say hi. I love love hearing from people around the country and the world. Yes.
0: Are we ready? I'm ready. I'm hot to try. I'm ready to get into this. Case. Go ahead. Okay. So December 2nd, 2016 was a normal day for 19 year old Sarah Stern in Neptune, New Jersey. Now, Neptune is a pretty tight knit community on the Jersey Shore. And Sarah was living on a block that she grew up on where everybody knew everybody. It was, you know, when she was a kid, she grew up playing with the other kids from the neighborhood, everybody always at everybody else's house. Very similar to where Trish lives. Like that. (laughs) Very yes. close. You neighborhood know your mentality. You know yes. your neighbors.
1: You know when something's not right. You know when something is right. Yeah.
0: You know everybody. So she was at home that morning, and then she had met up with her friend Liam, who she had known since she was six years old. And together they had dropped off a box of like knickknacks. She had gone through the house, like the basement and everything, the day before, and so they had dropped off a box of stuff to the neighbor across the street, who was one of her childhood friends as well. And then they decided to go to lunch at Taco Bell.
1: So was this her house she was going through to get the knickknacks? Mm-hmm. Okay,
0: It's her house. She was living with her father at the time. So it was the home that she had grown up in. And they went to Taco Bell. On the way home, she stopped by the bank. Hey, Taco Bell, don't hate on Taco Bell. I'm not- you- All our listeners didn't just see your yuck face. I don't know.
1: I like authentic Mexican
0: food oh i'm not at all claiming that taco bell is authentic mexican food
1: i'm not hating on taco bell. i just haven't gone to taco bell in probably 30 years
0: have you had the the cinnamon twists though no those are good go just for the cinnamon twists. okay so after taco bell uh they had run some errands she was still with liam they had stopped by the bank and then she had gone home so when they got home to her house liam then left for work so he was like a a waiter or a busboy at a local restaurant
1: not taco bell
0: not taco bell no it was a steakhouse actually her father and his girlfriend had been off on or off on vacation at the time at disney so she had the whole house to herself and her dog buddy how old is she she's 19 19 she wasn't throwing a party no she was no she was just you know hanging so at 2 a.m on december 3rd so That going into that morning, a call came in to 911 from an Uber driver notifying them that a beat-up tan sedan was sitting on the bridge of Route 35 over the Shark River. Neptune police found no one in the 94 Oldsmobile, and the keys were still in the ignition. The car was functioning. There was no signs of a mechanical issue or that there had been any type of accident. It was on the side of the bridge next to the river, but again, they found no signs of a struggle or anything really indicating. indicating what had happened or why the car had been left. They began looking for the car's owner, and through the registration, they found that the car belonged to 95-year-old Lillian Stern. They did a welfare check, and through contacting family members, found that the driver of the car was actually Sarah Stern, her granddaughter. They checked her home, and they found that no one was there except her dog, Buddy. So police contacted her father, Michael Stern, around 3 a.m., calling him in Florida, asking if he knew anything about Sarah's whereabouts, he had no idea and immediately panicked because it was very unlike Sarah, number one, not to be there and not answering her phone or text messages. He and his girlfriend immediately got in the car and traveled back the 16-hour drive to New Jersey. Police immediately began investigating two theories. So the first, that could Sarah have jumped off of the bridge? Could this have been a suicide? Or could she have run away? Because they didn't see, again, any signs of a struggle. They didn't see anything that had really made them think that she had been harmed. So those were their two principal theories where one of those two things had happened.
1: But you think she would have taken care of her dog, Buddy? Like, even if I'm going to run away or I'm taking my own life. I'm going to make sure my pet's taken care of.
0: Yeah. Well, especially since when they searched the home, Buddy was in his crate. So he wasn't even like if I were running away or committing suicide, I would not leave my dog in the crate knowing that he may not be found for a long time. So the family gathered and police began questioning friends and family, of which Sarah had many. And this was in the middle of the night and the police were still knocking on doors. They went right into action and they were not messing around. At 4 a.m. they visited Liam and he was, again, a close friend of Sarah's and she had been with him all that day. He said that she had been depressed lately and that she had been planning to go away and go to Canada, that she had been you know, thinking about just her life and felt kind of stuck and had been wanting to move, he described her father as crazy and said that their relationship was very tense at the moment. Through this investigation, through these questions, they got a good sense of Sarah's whereabouts that day and a camera from the front porch of the neighbor across the street had confirmed everything in the timeline that they had said. It also captured Sarah's car reversing out of the driveway late that night around 1145.
1: Could they see on the camera who was driving the car?
0: No. No. By early morning, the Belmar Water Rescue Team was called to search the Shark River for any evidence of her body. The water rescue team was assisted by the Coast Guard, the Monmouth County Sheriff's Office dive team, and the area network of shore water emergency responders, as well as the New Jersey State Police. So they really, again, had a full team. They were searching the river. They were searching the the ocean because where this bridge was, and again, we're on the Jersey Shore, so she could have very easily, if she had jumped, been swept up by the river and taken out into the Atlantic Ocean. Divers, boats, and helicopters from those units shirts the Shark River, but attempts to locate her body were unsuccessful. In addition to the water team, search parties began with hundreds of people showing up to search Neptune and other nearby communities while police continued to investigate. So let's talk a little bit about who Sarah Stern was. So, Sarah was a miracle for her parents. They had tried for years and years to get pregnant before Sarah had come along. She was a great kid and grew up in a really idyllic family and friend group. The neighborhood and community was very tight-knit and always together. In describing the group, Megan McTasney, who was... Liam's mother. So she said that they had a nickname for their group when they were kids, and they called themselves The Squad. And they would always come up with weekend plans and all these different adventures. And then the moms would always be trying to figure out how they were going to get these kids to wherever they wanted to go, whether that be Six Flags or the movies or whatever adventure they had really decided on. Tragically, in 2013, Sarah's mother did pass away from cancer. And this was really a devastating blow to Sarah for her otherwise untainted childhood. While this was extremely difficult, she took solace in a new passion, which was art. So she was really naturally talented and had been attending exhibitions and watching YouTube artists and really just developing her own style. And This had really helped her fall back into the bright, smiling, very upbeat girl that she had been. A few years later, her father had met Christine, and Sarah was actually happy about their relationship. Christine had actually lost her mother at a young age as well, so it really helped her to understand completely what Sarah was going through, and they ended up developing a really great relationship. As a teen, Sarah had visited Toronto and felt that it would be the perfect place for her to pursue her passion and she just really liked the feel of the city and the area and thought that that would be a good place to start her career as an artist. It's a fun city. I've never been. You've never been to Toronto? Not to Toronto, no. I've been to Montreal, but not Toronto. Oh, you
1: got to go to Toronto.
0: Okay. Next time my husband has a business trip, I'll like.
1: There you go. Jump on go that. along.
0: So, she was At this point, she was 19 and she was pretty much waiting to have the opportunity and the funds to be able to move there and really start her independent adult life. And this is why police thought that it may be possible that she had taken off. But her friends and family felt that if that were the case, she would have said goodbye. She wouldn't just up and leave. And it didn't really make sense to them. Was she looking to
1: apply to art schools up in Toronto or she just was looking to move and just immerse herself?
0: Yeah, more just moving at Merce. I didn't see where she had a plan to go to a specific school or pursue anything really um, particular, but it was just she felt that that would be a great place for her to develop her creativity. In interviewing her friends, police did get the impression that there was some tension in the relationship from Sarah and her father, but it didn't seem like anything out of the ordinary for a 19-year-old girl and her father. In questioning the friend and neighbor who lived across the street, police discovered something about Sarah that even her family didn't know about. That morning, Sarah had been excited to tell her friend that she finally had the money she needed to move to Toronto. She said that she had been cleaning out a house that her mother had owned and that she found a safe with money in it. Sarah didn't say how much it was, but she knew that her mother had been putting it aside for her and that she now found it and could live her dream. Do we know how much it was? It was about $40,000. Okay. I mean, that's a chunk of money. Yeah. So when police learned this information, it deterred them more from the idea that she would have jumped because normally when you have somebody that is going to do something like that, they wouldn't have something where they're looking forward to it and being excited that same day. No one had noticed her demeanor altered that day either. And again, she had something that she was looking forward to. This could leave the possibility that Sarah took off. But again, when they went to the bank that Sarah had visited that day, they found that she had multiple accounts as well as a safe deposit box. They obtained a warrant for the box and they found $25,000 in cash. So, so if she were taking off, wouldn't she take that money with her?
1: Right. So they're missing about fifteen thousand. Yeah. Of the forty. Yeah.
0: So the money that they found was really old and brittle and it would fall apart. Like if you didn't handle it right, it
1: would just fall apart. Yes. Your heart mm-hmm. is stopping. I was like, oh my gosh, wouldn't that be cruel? You found forty thousand all and of a sudden it just it dis- disintegrated. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So this confirmed what her friend had told police, but it also made a problem with their theories. If Sarah had gone off, she would have taken it with her. So where was Sarah? Where was the money? Where was the rest of the money? And they didn't. I don't believe that they had at this point an exact idea of how much money was there. They just knew the $25,000 was there, but she hadn't told her friend exactly how
1: much had been there. Had she told anybody How much? We'll get there.
0: So weeks went by with no developments, no leads, nothing until police received a call in January 2017. The call was from Anthony Curry. He had grown up in Neptune and went to school with Sarah. He was then living in Brooklyn to pursue a career in making horror films. He wanted to be a filmmaker. His genre was really more horror because that's what he liked. But he had been home that Thanksgiving just more than a week before Sarah's disappearance appearance. While he was back home, he had been hanging out with a friend who said that he had planned to kill a girl. He was going to rob her, strangle her, and throw her off a bridge. Now, being that Anthony was in the film industry and the way that the friend described it, he thought that he was pitching him a movie idea. Because he said, "Wouldn't that be a great idea for a movie?" And so Anthony took that as, "Oh, well, he's just, you know, trying to shoot me ideas or get into, you know, making a script or whatever it may be." But when he learned that Sarah was missing and that her car had been found on a bridge, he couldn't get the
1: conversation out of his mind. This was a couple weeks a later. A few
0: weeks, I think, it was three or four weeks later.
1: And had he just heard about the car on the bridge, or he had heard about it, but then just kept thinking about this conversation with this friend?
0: Exactly. And I don't know exactly how long the information took to get to him about her initial disappearance because... Again, he was in Brooklyn, so it would only be if his parents had said something or if he had happened to catch it on the news, but it, he was a distance away. Anthony agreed immediately to help the police and called his friend, asking if he could spot him some cash from, quote, that girl's money to see if, hey, if his plan was to rob her, then he would have extra cash. And this is how the police wanted to sort of pull the information out of him. He said that he had busted his filming camera and he didn't have enough money to get another one and wanted to see if he could borrow some now the friend didn't want to talk over the phone but agreed to meet with anthony so with his car bugged and on video by the police anthony went to a parking lot off the boardwalk which of course in january is empty and met with his friend liam liam if we remember is the friend that sarah knew since she was six years old and had been spending the whole day with her and they were very close
1: and it also said she was depressed and her and her
0: dad Mm -hmm. weren't getting along. And she wanted to move and she would have left and all of that. So when Liam first got into the car, the first thing he does is pat down Anthony to check for a wire. Paranoid, mutt. Well, with good reason because (laughs) because the entire car was bugged, but he didn't find a wire. So he thought, you know, green light. So after very little probing, Liam confessed everything to Anthony. He described in detail that after convincing her to take money out of the bank, they went back to her house and he attacked her. Quote, I pretty much hung her like I picked her up and had her dangling off the ground. She just pissed herself and she said my name and that was it. And it took me half an hour to kill her. I thought I was going to be able to choke her out and have her out in a couple of minutes. He had his he used his phone timer and timed how long it took to kill her. So he even said that before he attacked her.
1: Mm -hmm. He had to because if he was using his hands to, to choke her.
0: Anthony, as well as the police listening to the conversation live, were stunned and disgusted. He went on in the video recording stating, I thought I was walking out with 50 G's, 100 D's. She only had 10 G and this money, I don't know if it was burnt or something. All the money was terrible quality. I don't even know if I can put any of it in the bank. So he's describing in detail how he murdered one of his closest friends and then complaining about the amount of money that he got off
1: of her. And is he the only one that was involved in her murder? We'll get there. It's like I know true crime.
0: (laughs) It's like you know where this is going. So Liam continued with the story, then implicating a fellow friend of his and Sarah's, Preston Taylor. Now, Preston was such a good friend of Sarah's that he had actually taken her to the junior prom. So they they were all this friend group. Were these two part of the squad that you talked about earlier? Well, because the, the person who described the squad and how close they were is Liam's mom. After Liam strangled Sarah, he went to work and then he met with Preston. He like, came out of his work, met with Preston in his car, telling him what had happened and that he, Preston, had to go back to her place to hide the body until they could get rid of it that night.
1: Please tell me Preston was like, have you lost your mind?
0: Preston already knew they had been planning this for six months. Did they know she
1: had this the money six months previous? Oh, so she, they were the ones she told.
0: Yes, yes. So she, well, she had told the other friend across the street just that morning. But when she found it, she had told Liam about it. And Liam, as soon as he heard about it, started planning this and got Preston involved pretty quickly. They had bought walkie talkies so that they wouldn't have any phone records while they were doing all of this. So, Preston, while Liam returned to his shift, so he had come out, like, on a break, he went back in, and Preston went to Sarah's, hopping over the back fence, because they knew that there was a security camera across the street. He found her and dragged her body out of the house, hiding it under some bushes in the backyard, in case anybody were to come into the house. So, after Liam was done with work, they both went back to her house to get her into her car. So... They get her into the car, Liam is now driving, and then Preston went in his car and followed them. He said that he had watched how Sarah pulled out of the driveway before, so he would watch What it looked like and her style of pulling out of the driveway. And that night with Sarah's body buckled into the passenger seat, he pulled out exactly as she would have so that if they saw the video camera from the other side, they didn't suspect that it wasn't her because he pulled out the same way she did. He drove over to the bridge with Preston following his car and together they threw her body into the river. The day following the confession, police arrested Liam and Preston.
1: How did they not arrest them on the spot?
0: I don't know if they were trying to make sure that Anthony was safe or they had to. They probably had to have because the only evidence they had was this taped confession. So they probably had to get the taped confession and then get a warrant for the arrest is my guess.
1: But now they could also look for more evidence in her car of their presence. I mean, granted, they were friends. They would have been there anyway. Exactly. I mean, what were they going to find more of? Blood? Trace
0: blood? They didn't. There was not Even in in her house, they didn't find any.
1: Urine? He said he peed. She peed. I don't know. I'm grasping his straws here. Yeah.
0: In any case, they were arrested. And while Liam refused to speak to the police, Preston folded like a house card and very quickly confessed. He took a deal pleading guilty to charges of first-degree armed robbery, second-degree conspiracy, second-degree desecration of human remains, third-degree hindering apprehension of oneself, and third-degree hindering apprehension of another, along with fourth-degree tampering with evidence. In the deal, Preston agreed to testify against Liam, and in sentencing, he was given 18 years. That's a deal. Mm Mm-hmm. Liam was charged with first-degree murder, robbery, disturbing, desecrating human remains, and third-degree hindering. During the trial, Preston confirmed what Liam described in the tape, so he play-by-play, everything matched up, and he was also able to give them more information about the planning, the fact that it had been planned for months, and that Liam had actually wanted to attack Sarah, I don't know if it was the week before or a few weeks before, but then he realized that she didn't have the cash on her. And so he canceled the plan and then had to figure out, well, how do I
1: get her to get the cash out of the bank? How did so if he was setting this up so long in advance, he must have been talking to her about the money. Like, why did she have 10,000 on her? Like, what was his line to her to get her to get that money out of the bank?
0: Well, that we don't know. Preston didn't know how. He just said somehow he convinced her to take the money out of the bank. But Liam was pleading not guilty, so he wouldn't give any information and Preston didn't know how he convinced her to do that. But at the same time, I mean, it's her best friend, one of her closest friends. And if it's, hey, you know, if you're going to start planning for Toronto, you should get some of that money out of the bank because dot, 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 who knows? Or even, hey, I need some help. Can you help me out a little bit? Mm -hmm. Liam's defense team tried to show that the tape was a lie, claiming that Liam had been auditioning for a movie for Anthony. And that's why he did all of those. He said all of those things, you know, and also that Preston was a liar. They also had somebody come in, which this isn't in my notes, guys. This is just other information. They also had somebody come in that was convinced that he had seen Sarah the following morning walking down the street
1: after her car was found
0: after her car was found around 5 a.m. And then he said he saw her walking down the street. He's 100% sure it was her. And then he went across the bridge and saw her car. Problem is, the car was found at 2 a.m. by the police. And by that time, it had already been towed. So his credibility very quickly went down the drain. Liam was found guilty on all counts by a jury on February 26, 2019. On June 21st, 2019, the sentencing took place and Sarah's father made a statement saying, I was devastated and numb from shock. The day I learned from detectives, Sarah was murdered. I've had horrific dreams and nightmares. The horrid act of what happened to her body haunts me every day. I will never be able to hug Sarah again. Liam was sentenced by Judge Richard W. English to life in New Jersey State Prison without the possibility of parole for first degree murder. The additional charges accumulated to a total sentence of life without parole consecutive to 10 years, so 10 years in addition to life without parole. Sarah's body has never been found. Not being able to hold a funeral, her family did hold a celebration of life ceremony at a local community center. They filled three event rooms, top to bottom, floor to ceiling, with her artwork, and over a 1,000 people attended to celebrate the beautiful person
1: that Sarah was. So I take it Liam has never shown remorse for what he did to his friend.
0: No. And even in the more disturbing part of that confession tape, he talks about the money and everything. And then he talks about how he thought that he would feel differently after he did this and that, you know, you always want to try new things in life and literally referred to his friend's murder as a new thing to try. So criminal discourse life tip. Murder.
1: Is not a new thing to try in life. Yoga, learning a new language, travel, new job even. Not murder. No. Was there any follow-up in terms of like, this was a close-knit community. I am sure this split the community. If they were so tight-knit in a way, in this group especially, I mean, you had two members of this group. These kids grew up together. Their families were friends. And now you have two of them murdering another. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine they're doing barbecues together anymore. No. And
0: his mother, I didn't see anything about Preston's family, but there were articles from Liam's mother who pretty much doesn't believe that he did it. He's saying this was all a setup. I'm sure Sarah's out there and she's fine. I don't know how they could think that my son would do this. And is just in total denial. Did they find any of Sarah's money on Liam or in Liam's possession? So Preston had told the police that they had buried it and they did find they found the money where he said that they had buried it. So but he had already blown through a chunk of it because he said that he had used it for parties and having parties all the time and smoking weed. And yeah, so he'd already blown through a decent chunk. I think they found a little over eight thousand dollars. It's so sad. Yeah, I think this is a really good case, but it's just so devastating when you think, you know, thinking about her family and her father, like, you know that he was around these kids their whole life. They were in
1: his home. They ate meals together. They did things together. They knew her. They knew her. And yet, seemingly, none of that mattered. Mm -hmm. I mean, you talk about sociopaths. Hello. Yeah. Good one. From 2016. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you. I'm trying to, uh, you know. And not 1816, 2016.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I do like the 1816 one, though. But this has a lot more detail available. Well, yeah. Then you know.
1: It's a newer case.
0: Sorry, guys. This is a sad one. There's not a whole lot of uh,
1: punchlines to throw in there. Well, they're all sad.
0: Maybe we should do some robberies or some heists. We haven't done a good
1: heist in a while. Yeah, we haven't done a good heist. So, if you have any good con artisty heist ones, that would be good. Hey, did you see Robert Durst got convicted? Oh, did he? I didn't see Yeah, that. yeah, he was being guilty. Yeah. Very nice. Though I'm not really sure how much longer he's going to be alive. He didn't look in good shape at the no trial. He now? Oh gosh. He's up there. Of course, the Gabby Petito's thing as we're recording this, mm. they're still looking for the boyfriend. So
0: I will say that's one of the, you know, as much as we can hate on social media and all those things, he must be in a hole somewhere. I don't see how he could be walking around and somebody hasn't recognized Mm -hmm.
1: him. Yeah, there's a lot of theories out there with that. And like you said, social media is good in terms of putting it out there. I will say that because it was so widely broadcast, I mean, it blew up in a matter of a week, week and a half, and they were able to find her. And but it just made me like, wow, could we we should do this for Everyone mm-hmm. that's missing. You know, there's a lot of young girls missing that don't get the media coverage. And maybe we need to do that. Do some media coverage ones for those ones that don't get a lot of press
0: mm-hmm. with that. Maybe we could just do a um,
1: a missing episode. Yeah, maybe we'll do that. And I think now, be- but because of Gabby Petito and the press she got, now there's renewed interest in the, um, a missing geologist student in Arizona. Oh. A guy. Yeah, who's been missing for a couple weeks. So... Hopefully they'll find a lead on him too. Hopefully. So thank you, everybody, for listening. If you've liked what you've heard, the only thing we would ask is if you could leave us a review on whatever platform you listen to us on. And if you leave us a five star, we'd appreciate it even more. And as always, if you see something, say something, you might have that missing piece of the puzzle it takes to solve a crime, like the film student who was like, yeah, this I can't get rid of this conversation. And now I don't think he was so, hey, wouldn't this make a great movie idea kind of thing. So good for him. And
0: imagine if he hadn't, then... Her body's never been found. There was nothing. There was nothing to go on. And police did not suspect these two at all before this conversation was had.
1: Yeah. So good for him. Mm -hmm. And as always, we want you to stay safe. But let's remember, we also need to be kind to one another. So until next time, guys. Bye. Bye.